We have more in common with others than we think. This series, We Are All Blank, has been a great series. Um, it's, my name is Eric Matoy, Pastor the Grove. If you don't know me, I just want to introduce myself. Uh, we were on vacation last week, so it is so good to be back today. We missed you all. And uh, wasn't that a great talk from Louis Giglio last week? Who enjoyed that? Yeah, that's so great. Man, we might have to show that again so we can invite more of our friends to come and check it out. Um, I, I've never seen it in a movie theater, and I bet that was uh, just spectacular to be able to see that on the screen. Uh, if you missed last week, sorry, um, you can ask me later. I'll tell you where to go look for it, and you can look on the line, but uh, it was good. We had, we had a great vacation. My kids loved Disneyland and just being in California and just uh, got some ocean time. It was just great. So uh, we got to spend just a little break to get away and get some get recharged, and so thank you for letting us go. And the team did awesome back here, so we want to just say thank you to the team. Uh, but we're, we're glad you're here today. Uh, we're in part uh, five of this series called We Are All Blank, and we're going to review a little bit. Uh, before we do, I just want to say welcome to all those watching uh, Facebook Live or listening on our podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And for everybody else in the theater, thanks for coming today. Uh, we'll be here for another th- about 40 minutes, and then we'll dismiss you to go enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, so we, uh, we're, we're just excited you're here. Um, in this series, one of the things that we've said is when it comes to We Are All Blank, what we're doing is we're calling out an issue in our lives. Um, to try to help people identify this issue. And, and uh, the reason is because a lot of times when, when, we, when we gather in a church, we have a tendency to think that people around us have it all together, that they must be perfect. They don't know the pain I have. They don't know the things I've gone through. They don't know the issues I have. They must be like all together because they're you know, Christian or they're, they go to a church or whatever. And, and this series is really pointing out that, no, we're all messed up and we all are messy. Our lives can be messy at times and we all have issues. And uh, this is kind of what we're, we're trying to, not kind of, this is what we're trying to accomplish this series, is helping us point it out. Because we said if you can't name the issue, you won't be able to solve it. Unnamed issues, they go unsolved. If you can't pinpoint that issue in your life, you'll never be able to solve it. So if you think you don't have any issues, um, you need to figure out that that is your issue. Um, and, and, and you need to just em- embrace it and realize, like, there's something in my life that I need to be working on all the time. My issue is I don't think I have issues. And uh, that can be an issue, a really big issue that holds you back from everything. Because the truth is, everybody else around you knows what the issue is. If you just ask them, they'd be able to tell you. Um, and so your issue is just denial, and we want to help you. That's, that's what this series is about, to help you identify and acknowledge Wow, I do have issues. And we're going to review. Uh, we said this about our issues. We said we, we are good lawyers when it comes to our own issues, right? We defend them, and we will say why it's not that big of a deal. You know, um, if, if your life revolves around this thing, it's a, it's a big deal. It's, it's an issue, all right? If you can't stop thinking about it, it's an issue. Um, and we're very good, but we're very good judges when it comes to other people's issues, right? It's like we're lawyers. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. But somebody else is like, oh, you have a really big problem. And so we're trying to say, let's, let's put down the, 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 the gavel and let's just be open to say we all have issues in life. We all have issues. Let's break down some of those walls, some of those misconceptions, and help others to embrace what's going on. Um, in fact, a, a mark of a mature person is how they handle the issues of other people. That's a mark of a mature person, when, when, especially when that issue affects that you. Uh, how you handle it will show if you're mature or not. If you don't handle it when somebody else has an issue, it shows you're not mature. We'll be talking about that somewhat today a little more. So part one, let's review a little bit. Part one, we said the first issue was we were all crazy, right? We're all crazy, all of us, because here's, here's, here's what happens. We all want new things in our lives, better things in our lives, but we keep doing the same things over and over, hoping to get a different result. We said that insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. And we said if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And we challenge you to have a new thought, have a new way to look. That was a great message. You can go back and catch up if you missed it. Uh, part two, uh, we said we are all broken. And we're all broken in need of healing, 
And uh, we said that what happens in our, in our brokenness, we tend to look at the wrong things for healing. And when we look at the wrong things, what happens is the problem is no longer the problem. The issue is no longer the issue. Now how we're responding to things and is becoming the issue, has become the new problem. And so we, we just trade one problem for another problem. Sometimes they're bigger than the, the original one. So let's just deal with the original one of saying we're all broken. We have hurt. We've been hurt. Let's start there. Let's deal with that. So that was week two. Um, part three, we said that we are all um, control freaks. And I think a lot of people uh, really enjoy that one uh, because we're all control freaks. We want to have our way. We want things to go our way. Uh, we said that trying to control others fosters conflict in our life. When you try to control others, it fosters conflict between you and others. And in fact, fighting for control and your way always leads to distance from God and distance from others. So when you try to do that, uh, it always it, it does never work. It, 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 a lot of times it does the opposite when you fight for everything your way. Uh, we talked about the, the frustration gap. We said when um, when your expectations are here and the reality is here, depending on how big that gap is, that's how much your frustration is. And we said there's good news because there's also a happy gap, happiness gap, and that is when you expect this, but the reality is up here. That, whatever that the difference is, that's how how much happiness you have in your life. So we talked about that. That's a great one. And we said that really the true route to happiness is submission, not control. We think it's control, but it's really submission. Saying God, I'm going to trust you and what you have for my life. So that's part. Three, and then part four. Two weeks ago, uh, this we'll pick up after this. Is we said we are all um, we are all selfish. Uh, we all have we all have this bent towards self, towards our own uh, desires, um, and, and we said that we deceive ourselves and we don't have a healthy view of ourselves. Uh, that self is loud. It's always drawing attention to itself. To, to itself, um, our self is loud, and it's always drawing attention to itself. We talked about people are objects, and we said that there are serious consequences in any culture. Uh, when anytime we treat others as objects, not as people, um, we, we said that it, when we think of people as objects that are setting our way of our goals or keeping us from something that's good, they become objects, not people. And we have to, we have to be careful of that. And the, the answer is really to, to, to solve that. In fact, I found this great picture that illustrates treating people as objects and not as people. If you want to show that next picture for me. Great picture. So when we treat people as objects, we focus on the wrong things and miss it. Uh, where's Dylan? Where's my friend Dylan? Told you you love that picture, man. He's got a great beard. Um, that was a joke. We, we talked actually about pornography last week, uh, two weeks ago a little bit. So when we objectify and we make um, people uh, objects of uh, sex, that that distorts and that ruins really um, our view of people. It's not healthy and not good. Uh, so it's just kind of a joke from the guy side, you know, when you treat guys with these nice beards like they're objects, you know, with whatever. I don't got a beard. So, all right. The answer to this, we said the answer to selfishness is not thinking more of yourself, nor is it thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And, and really that's what God is calling us to become. He wants us to become selfless by thinking of ourselves less. God was selfless. He invites us in that journey. So the way we conquer selfishness is we become selfless. So every week we kind of point out the issue and the negative aspect. And then every week we're being the positive, the good news, the part of it that says, but there's good news in this. There's not it's not something to be um, to run away from, and be afraid of. It's actually something to embrace and realize. When you when you acknowledge that issue, you can fix it. You know, in your life, if you're having struggles with your marriage, if you're having struggles with your health, if you're having struggles with your your work um, or with God, whatever it is, if you could name that issue and say, "This is what I'm struggling with. This is why we're struggling," you could begin to work on it. Like finances, if, if you don't have a budget and there's there's the part of the issue, um, if you can identify it, you can begin to work on it and make it better. That's kind of what we're trying. That's what we're doing through this series is trying to improve and make it better. So for this series, please, 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 especially today, pay really close attention this week because uh, it's not it's not just about making making you um, happy or healthy in life, although that's part of it. Um, 
it's not just about making you better this week and having a better week. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about probably the most important thing that we could talk about as a church. In fact, this, this message today is why we started the Grove in the first place. Like it is, the Grove is helping solve this problem, this issue in our culture, in our community. Uh, this is why God called us to start a church. This is why the Grove exists. Uh, and in your life, if, if you solve all the other issues in your life, but you neglect this one, um, you might have a, a pretty decent life and a good life. But once it's over, it's over and it's gone. Uh, but this issue helps you to say, but there's something more than just this life. There's something beyond this. There's something that, that's, that's um, beyond it. We, we call in the Bible the good news, the story of Jesus and uh, his, his message, the gospel. It, and it's, it's, it's the, gospel means good news. And we say it's, it's the good news. Well, in the Bible, um, it's not just a part of the Bible. It's not just a story in the Bible. It is actually the point of the Bible. And we're going to be talking about that good news and what it means um, to get there. But before we do that, we kind of set the scene and to help us understand why it is such good news in the first place. So today's issue is going to sound a little um, maybe religious or maybe what you'd hear in church because we don't tend to use this word a lot in in our conversation. Um, But it's important for us to identify and realize that we are all this thing and we all deal with this issue. And until you understand that, you cannot solve this issue. And so today, we're, part five is we are all sinners. We are all sinners. Um, before we talk about what, what sinners means, let's talk about the word sin. In the Bible, there's this word sin, and this is what it, what it, what it means. It's, it's in the Hebrew, it's this idea of archery. All right, the guy taking an arrow and shooting at a target. Well, sin is just to miss that target. Like God has said, here's the target for your life. And when we sin, it just means that we miss, we miss the, the, the place that God wants us to hit in life. Like, and, and I think part of the problem is, is because a lot of times we're not, even, we're not even shooting at the right target. Like all these other targets pop up, and we think life is about that and about that, and we really want to chase that. And we begin to go after these other things that are peripheral or even distracting behind us, and we miss the one that God has for us. Today we're saying let's zero in on the issue so we can become healthy, um, not just people, but, but children of God is what he wants us to be a part of his family. And so sin is missing the mark. Uh, sin is, is going after the no instead of going after all the yeses. See, in the Bible, when it starts off in Genesis, God, he creates Adam and Eve, man, mankind, and he says, he, of all these trees, you can eat of all this fruit, all these fruit trees. Like, they're yours to eat and to enjoy. Just don't touch the one in the middle. Like, that's, that's, the, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's reserved for me. Like, don't touch that one. But you can have all the others. So essentially, God said, yes, 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 yes. As many yeses you could put in there in a, in a little city, that's how many trees there would have been. And one no. He says, just don't do that one. And what does, what does mankind go for? The one no they can't have, right? So they say, they say no to all the yeses, and they say yes to the one no. And, and in this, this is where sin is introduced into mankind, into humankind, into, into human history. Um, and the reason is because they were deceived, and they went, at, they went for the wrong thing. Um, and, and this is what God says, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Like when you break my rule that I'm setting here, it will bring death. Um, because what's going to come with it is consequence and it's going to be death. So sin, it brings death. That's what God said. Sin brings death. Um, sin brings death. And, and what, what the scripture says is that all of, us are, all of us have sinned. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the standard that God has set for us. Every single one of us. I've sinned. You've sinned. The Bible says everybody has sinned. There's not one person that's righteous except for Jesus who came to the earth and lived a, lot, a pure life to give us a way out, which we'll talk about in a while. But sin brings death. So God said, if you do this tree, you will, you'll surely die. In fact, Paul said like this, that the payment for sin, when we sin, you know what the payment is or the wages are? It's death. Death always comes with it. Um, 
And, and, and what happens in the story is, is they sin, um, their eyes are open, and they realize they're naked, the Bible says. And they said they're naked, so they got some fig leaves together, and they sewed them together, and they put some clothes on. Um, and then God comes, comes looking for them. And when they put their clothes on, what, what they were trying to do is they were trying to fix um, their problem with something temporary. Like they, they, they grabbed something, and, and this is what religion does. Religion always grasps for something that's temporary. I think, I think it's a part of even our, our, our human nature to try to fix things with just a quick fix. Let's just find something that's close. Let's try to just appease whatever's going on so we can move forward from our, our, ga- our, our, shil- our, our guilt and our shame that we have because of it. And so they try to fix something. Uh, they try to fix their sin with something temporary, fig leaves. Um, so they sewed it. Um, it was temporary. And then God shows up and says, Adam, where are you guys? And it says they were hiding because um, they were ashamed. Well, sin leads to shame. Whenever we sin, it always leads to shame. And I think this is it's, it's one of God's ways to show us that we haven't done right. Shame is an indicator in our life that says, all right, you're not doing something that's right. It brings a, a guilt or a shame in your life to point out that you've stepped over a line that you shouldn't have stepped over. You, you've gone in a direction you shouldn't have gone. And it's an indication in our heart and our life to know um, that we've done wrong. It, it impairs judgment. It's kind of like, so, so they're hiding from right, the, the God who made the whole garden in the first place, gave them all the trees. They're hiding from him. And, and God doesn't ask the question because he doesn't know where they're at, but he wants to know what they're doing. Why are you hiding? He says, well, um, we're naked. He says, who told you that you're naked? Did you eat of the tree? And he asked Adam, did you eat of the tree? And you know Adam's response is? He owns up, right? He says, yes, God, I ate of the tree. I, I take responsibility. It was my fault. I'm so, so sorry. No, the Bible says he actually said, um, did you eat of this tree, Adam? Adam says, um, well, God, uh, it's the woman you gave me, right? And he shifts the blame from what, his, what he did to somebody else. And he says, it's the woman's fault. And, and you gave her to me, so it's technically your fault, God. And he doesn't even own it up to his, because shame always leads to blame. When we've done wrong, sin leads to shame. Shame leads to blame. And he blames the woman. So then God says, all right, Eve, what, what's going on here? Did you eat of the tree? And does she own up? No, she says, not my fault, God. It was the serpent. Like, this guy tricked me, and it, it's not even my fault. And then God, he gives a consequence to all of them. Sorry, right, Adam, because you disobeyed and you sinned. Now here's the consequences. You can read those consequences in Genesis 2. And he goes on and says, all right, Eve, because in Genesis 3, actually, he says, because you sinned, uh, here's your consequences. And then he turns to the serpent and says, because you caused him to do all this, there's consequences for you. Because sin always brings consequences with it. Sin always has negative consequences. Why? Because God said sin will bring death. And there was a death, a spiritual death. There was a a physical death that began to to move forward where they are now going to die because death is here present. Where before it wasn't because death entered in because of sin. So anytime someone refuses to accept responsibility for their behavior, they have to blame someone else to be able to deal with their shame. Or they have to try to make it acceptable. Right? That's the other part of it is, well, then if I can get others to accept what I'm doing, even though I know what's wrong, if I can get others to join me in this, you know, then I won't feel as bad in it. But as long as we ignore the issue, we actually, the Bible says, we live in a dead state. Like, we are dead. Sin is the ultimate thing that's unhealthy in our life. Sin destroys everything. And so, so God gives them the law. And, he, he, and then the scriptures, they move forward where God begins to help them to know, here's some choices you should make. And he gives them law. And he says, and the reason God gave us law throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, is not to make us good people. Obviously, that's not, that's not even possible, the Bible says. He didn't give, it, give us the law to make us good people, but to expose our sin. Like, he wants to give us all these indications and indicators around us all the time that helps us to realize that, oh, wow, in our own strength, we're just not good people. Like, we're not strong enough. We're not good enough. 
I mean, how many of you um, let yourself down? Like, you can't even live it for your own expectations sometimes, right? You with me? Like, man, I can't even live it for my own expect- expectations sometimes, let alone what God is expecting. Why? Because I'm just not good. There's, there's something in me that has a, a selfish bent, that has, has, wants my own way. We call this sin. It's a sin nature. Um, so when we've done wrong, whether it's lawful or not, um, we, we know. Whether the law agrees with it or not, we know we've done wrong. In fact, whether a law says that we should do, do something that's good or not, we still do it. We're not afraid because we know it's, it's, it's right. It, it, works, it works in reverse also. We, just, we know that something is not right. So God did not give us the law to look good, to make us good, but to expose our sin. And God punishes sin, not because he's not a loving God, but because sin destroys. You know, we don't call a judge who sentenced somebody that broke the law really bad to, to prison. We don't t- say he's a bad judge or an unloving judge. What do we call him? A just judge, right? A good judge. Why? Because he used the law to say this is not lawful, this is not right. Here's your, here's your payment, here's your punishment. So why is it when God now, the consequences of sin come and, and, and God says here's the consequences, all of a sudden somebody says, well, God's not a loving God. No, he's, he's, he's a just God. He is a loving God. But this is not about love right at this point. It's about justice. You know, in my house, when, when my kids, especially my older kids, when they do something wrong, we discipline them and tell them, you can't do that. And then there's consequences, there's punishment, there's grounding, there's something happens. Why? Because if we allow them to get away with that, their younger sisters that are watching them will then think, oh, that's okay to talk back to dad like that. That's okay to hit my sister like that. And it's not okay. So we bring discipline. Why? Because we're not loving? No, because... The very fact that we love them, but we don't want it to continue to, to move forward and spiral out of control. This is why God disciplines. This is why God brings consequences because we don't want to repeat, repeat it. So sin, it brings bad news with it all the time. All right? I'm, hopefully I'm driving this home. This is, this is what's hard is this, this message can get really heavy and weighty. Like, oh, my God, he's talking about something like kind of depressing here. Like, you know, man, we're all sinners. All right. In fact, my friend, my friend told me we were all blank. I was telling him what we were talking about. He says, you know what you should title it? I'm like, what? He's like, we are all going to hell. That should be the name of your title. We're all going to hell. And I was like, well, that's a little, that's a little more than I was kind of going for, you know. It just, uh, yeah, it's a little much over the top. And uh, it, but, but I said, I have to stick with this. I thought maybe we were all lost. But here's the point. Here's, here's why I'm trying to maybe paint a, a really dark picture right now. is because we don't think a lot of times that there's an issue or a problem with this. If you ask the majority of the people, what does it take to go to heaven? You know what they're going to tell you? I just got to be a good person. The Bible does not say that. That is the farthest from the truth. Because the fact is, not one of us can ever do anything that's good enough to get us to heaven. As the Bible says, you cannot give enough money away to make your, make your way to heaven, to be, to be in right standing with God. You cannot do enough good deeds to have a right standing with God. Why? Because we're not perfect people, and the, 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 the requirement for the, for the punishment for sin is a perfect sacrifice to be able to atone and be able to stand in the gap for us. It has to be this perfect payment where, where it's accepted in our place so we don't have to. And that's what we're going to talk about. Sin brings separation between us and between others and between God. It always brings separation. In fact, death means separation. Like there's a separation from something. So let me just paint a little bit more, because if we're going to understand the good news, we have to understand that it is really good news. Why? Well, this is what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. He says, once you were dead. This is why it's so good. Once you were dead. And he's talking to Christians, right? He's writing to Christians in Ephesus Ephesus and saying, hey, you were all sinners, and once you were dead. This is the state of being a sinner, dead. Like there's no pulse. There's no life. 
I mean, yeah, you're walking around as a living being, but your spirit is dead. Like, you cannot, um, you cannot communicate with God. You don't understand the things of God because your spirit is dead. The bad news is sin brings death. That's, that's, that's bad news. You're dead. You were all once dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. But he goes on to say, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So he's saying, because of sin, God was angry because he's angry at sin because sin destroys. He hates sin. It, it destroys. It brings death. And it breaks God's heart when, when killing and murder and, um, and, and all the things that come with that, all the things that come with, with sin, separation and hatred and anger and violence. Why? It breaks God's heart because it's sin. Sin always leads to that. And we are all guilty of sin. We're all sinners. We've all made that, that choice. Um, let's skip the message one. Go two. Let's go to, to verse to, to the verse four, Ephesians two four. Now I'm going to read Ephesians two, starting in verse four, and uh, it starts off by saying this: "But God." Now here's the shift in the in the in the writings. Paul, in the first three three verses of this chapter, he's painting the picture, saying it is not good. Because of sin, here's the consequences. In fact, he said there's three enemies that keep you from God. All right? There's our, our self, our sinful nature that wants to do its own thing. There's the enemy, Satan, the devil. He wants to keep us from God. And there's the, the culture around us, the world, that doesn't always point to God, but it points to other things. And he's saying these three things keep us from God. Because of sin, we are in God's judgment. We have an angry God who says, um, I, don't, I don't like sin. I can't be around sin. Sin brings destruction. Then he says this, but... God, and I'm going to say this, this is the, the biggest but in the Bible, all right? The biggest but you could find in the Bible is here, but God. Here's the bad picture, now we're going to contrast it to the good news. Because the good news is not just like, oh, you said a prayer and now you're going to heaven, like that's part of it. The good news is you were dead, you were D-E-A-D, dead, and I was dead because of sin. And he says, but God so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Because of the death, death on the cross, because his resurrection on that Sunday morning, because of that, we have new life. And this is the good news, that you don't have to stay dead, but you can be alive. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved, he goes on to say. But God... Don't miss it. The gospel, we call the gospel the good news. Is what it means, the good news. This is the good news. And we couldn't do it on our own. But God, who's full of kindness and mercy, he gave us a way. But God. He goes on to say this. For he raised us from the... Did I skip that? He raised us from the dead, along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, because we're united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to all of us in the future ages as examples of, his, of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. He's saying because of this, God welcomes people into the family of God. He goes on to say this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. For by grace you've been saved through faith, another translation says. For by grace 
you have been saved through faith. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created a new and create us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned so long ago. It's a gift from God, not from works, not from striving. It's a gift from God. In fact, grace is a gift. Grace means God's unfair, uh, unmerited favor. It's his unearned, his undeserved favor. Like you can't do anything to earn it. It's a gift. There's nothing you can do to earn God's grace. It's a gift to us. Because we were all sinners, but God loved us so much that he gave us a way to be reconciled back in God's good graces. You can't earn something. Because if you earn something, that means there's an equivalent to it. And in this case, there is no equivalent to it. See, religion, uh, one of the things we want to avoid as a church is, is, is becoming uh, very religious and thinking that, that we've done anything on our own. That be, it's because of us that we are here, that we have good things in our life. Religion is spelled D-O. Religion is always spelled D-O, which means it's about what you do. It's about your striving. It's about what, um, looking the part. It's working for something. It's, it's trying to earn God's favor by just doing enough good. This is what people are doing all around us all the time. Well, I hope I can go to heaven if I'm a good person or I do enough good. No, that's religion. And one of the things God, Jesus always pushed against was religion and the, and, and the, the, the um, self-righteousness of religious people in his day. See, the Pharisees, they had all these rituals and all these rules of all the things that they had to do to appease God and to please God. And in the things they were doing, they actually missed God. It's possible to go to church every single Sunday or every single day and still miss God. Why? Because religion is about what you do. It's about doing and striving and trying to make things right with God. But Christianity is something way different. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross just to uh, have us give us more rules to follow. It's better than that. Christianity is spelled this. Now, actually, before I go to that one, grace cannot be earned. It isn't offered. It's offered to us. Grace can be earned. It's offered to us because we all, we all need it. Um, we don't need religion to tell us that we're not good enough. We understand that we're not. Like I said, we, we don't even meet our own expectations. But Christianity is spelled this, D-O-N-E. There's a big difference. It might seem subtle, but it's huge. Religion is do. Christianity is spelled done. See, Jesus, his work on the cross, it finishes the work that we have to accomplish here on earth. Like, like what, what we have to accomplish to have right standings with God. Done. D-O-N-E. It means that we don't have to strive for right standing with God. He already gave us a way back to him. It's spelled done. You don't have to wake up in the morning and put on all the right things and do all the right things to make God happy. That's not it. God is pleased because we've accepted his sacrifice on that cross for us. What Christ did on the cross is good enough. His sacrifice is good enough to bring forgiveness to us if we acknowledge, if we understand and accept that gift from God. It's contingent on us. He doesn't force anything on us. It's up to us to say, all right, I want this. He did what we could never do. He offered a perfect sacrifice to satisfy God's requirement for our sins. All we can do is receive it. And the Bible says that we're made new. We're made brand new because of that. Like we start a new life. Uh, next week we have water baptisms. Water baptism is a declaration of what God has done in our lives and our hearts. It's kind of like, uh, not kind of, it, it is when, when you go in that water, you're, you're identifying with, with the death and the burial of Jesus, and you're coming out saying, I am now alive in Christ. It's a beautiful picture of what God does in our hearts when we accept his sacrifice for our sins. In Matthew 9, 9 through 13, it says this, as Jesus was walking along, 
he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. So you see this man, he's a tax collector. In Jesus' day, there was categories for sin. All right? It wasn't just like we're all sinners. Like There's these, these different levels of sin. And there were sinners, and then you know what the lower one was? Tax collectors. Like They had their own category because they were so despised. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus walks by this man's booth, a tax collector named Matthew, and he says, Matthew, come and follow me. And he invites one of the worst that you could think of in his culture. That, that The religious people said, man, that, that guy's not good enough. He doesn't do enough to, to be able to be in God's good graces. And who does Jesus choose? Matthew, the tax collector. He says, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. The next verse, it says, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disputable sinners. This is great. So, so Matthew is invited. He, he bring, invites all his friends who are also tax collectors and other sinners, right? And he says, let's come. Let me have a party at my house. They can meet Jesus. And they all come to his house. But when the Pharisees, the religious people, saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Like, I thought he was a good person. I thought he was a righteous person. How is he hanging out with all these people? And this is what Jesus says. When he heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And this, it was kind of sarcasm. He's not saying that the Pharisees are healthy. They were the furthest from it because they were the ones that say, I don't have an issue. And their issue was them saying, I don't have an issue. And they were so unhealthy in that. And he's saying, it's not the healthy, it's the sick. It's the ones that acknowledge, I am sick and I need help. But the good news is not that we were just sick. The good news is that we were dead, but because of Christ, we can be saved. But he comes and says, sick people do. Then he, he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. What is he saying? Out of what he's done for us, we can offer grace and mercy to others, not keep doing more sacrifices. Like Those are important. It's not that God is saying don't do good. He doesn't ever say that. In fact, the next verse after he says that we've been saved by grace, he says so we can do good works. But the point is, we are first saved by grace through faith because God loves us so much. And he says, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The prerequisite to receive grace is understanding that you are undeserving of it. He's come to call those who understand and recognize, he says, that they are sinners. For me to have life in Christ, I have to recognize in myself that there is something that's not good. It's called sin. It's called separation from God. And only, in, and only then can I receive God's grace and, and receive this sacrifice that he made on my behalf. Because as long as I think it's something I do, that's not grace. That's religion. And religion doesn't save. Religion complicates. Religion takes a lot of work, but it doesn't save. Grace saves. Salvation through faith in God and Christ, that's what saves Grace can only be experienced by those who acknowledge that they are undeserving. The reason I say this message is so important because there's some of you in this room, you've been going to church for years, and you've never come to the point where you understand, wow, I'm not good enough to get in God's good graces. Like there's nothing I could do. There's not enough church services. There's not enough money. There's not enough things I can do, say, to be able to get in God's good graces. But you've thought for a long time, if I'm just good enough, then one day I'll go to heaven. The Bible says that we can't be good enough. It's not possible for me to be good enough. All the good that I've done is still not good enough. It's like a scale. You know, I keep thinking, I keep piling on my good, and, you know, sometimes bad happens, but if the good outweighs, then I'm going to be good with God. No. God takes away the scale. He says it's not possible to even do this. That's not, there's not enough good to outweigh sin. But I'll send somebody in your place to make that payment on your behalf. He'll be a perfect, spotless lamb who will stand in the gap for you. 
a sacrifice that's required for your sin, for my sin. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. So he can give us a way back. So he can fix the sin problem once and for all. The sin problem is this. Sin brings death. We are dead. Without Christ, we are dead. And so some of you in this room, you're spiritually you're dead, and you might not even know it. And the reason this message is so important is because God is saying, would you wake up? Wake up. Let go of that and embrace what he has. We have to own up to our part. We do the opposite of Adam and Eve. Instead of them saying, well, it was the parents you gave me. It was my friends that got me into that trouble. It was their fault. It was this. It was that. We have to get to a place where we acknowledge and own up and say, you know what? I made a choice. I did it. I broke your will, your law. I broke what you had for my, for my life. Forgive me. And the Bible says when we ask God for forgiveness, you know what he does? He's faithful. He forgives us. He's just. Not because he's not a good God. He's a just God that says, okay, my son's going to stand in the gap now. And his sacrifice is going to be good enough for your payment. That is the good news. Not just that we were sick, not just that we were lost, but that we were dead, but now we are alive. His death and his resurrection is a sign to us, a sign to the world, that the kingdom of God is not reserved for good people, but it's reserved for forgiven people. The kingdom of God is all about us humbling ourselves to say, God, we can't do it on our own. We need your help. So we are all sinners. The good news is he is salvation. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. But he's salvation. And he brings salvation to us and says, I offer you my gift of salvation. It's called grace. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But I'm going to give it to you if you want to accept it. And he says, would you accept it? You can make excuses or you can say, here's my issue. It's called sin. We have a sin problem. Sin drives all the evil in our world all the time. And in your life, you need to say, here's my issue, God. It's probably the most important issue I can deal with is I need your help in my life. And he invites us into that. So here's my challenge for today for all of us. Um, if, you, if you're not a Christian, just hang in there. I'll talk to you in a second. If you are a Christian, here, here, here's my challenge for you. Uh, don't ever forget that you were saved by grace through faith. If you're a child of God, if you've accepted that forgiveness, that, that grace, don't ever forget that you're saved by grace, not by something you've done, but by grace through faith. The Bible says because you freely received, you should freely give. And don't ever forget that many around us are dead and they need some good news. So people around us are living, making choices that aren't healthy. It's because they're dead and they need the good news. And today I'm here to tell you the good news is you don't have to stay dead and your family doesn't have to stay dead. Somebody asked me, do you really believe all this stuff? I mean, you're a pastor, you read the Bible. Like, is it an intellectual thing? And I said, part of it's intellectual. You read the books and you see how God put it together. It's amazing. You know, all the intricacies last week we saw, the universe, the little bits part that he made us. It's an amazing thing God created. But it's more than that. For me, I'm living it. I'm experiencing the good news. Like, my family once was dead and now they're alive. Like, they could, we couldn't see God and his goodness and now we have sight. We were lost and far from him, and he found us and brought us home. It's not that I just believe it. I'm experiencing it. I'm living it. And the alternative is death, and I don't want that. So for you that are here today, if you're not a Christian, you're not a Christ follower, or maybe, maybe you went to church a long time ago and you kind of walked away from God, you know, all the stories that Jesus tells over and over, he, he, he's, he talks about that he, his desire is to reach those that are far from him, the lost 
He tells these stories and these parables and says, I'm about the lost people of this world. Not about the, the self-righteous, not about the people that think they have it all together, but those that, that recognize they have an issue. And today, if you're here and you recognize that you have an issue in your life that's called sin, that separates you from God, that has kept you from his best, today I want to challenge you. Would you acknowledge that you have that issue, but you're willing to say, God, I need help with this issue? And the Bible says that if we, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus, he's Lord, and we believe in our heart that he raised from the dead, that we will be saved. And today I want to invite you into this journey. Understand, this message is so important because we're all at that place where we, ignore, we, we come to this place where we understand that we are all sinners. And we can't stand in front of a God, a righteous God, the way we are. But we can stand with Jesus and says, hey, I paid the payment for these guys. And his grace. And the religious people, they were so mad at Jesus because he offered just this free grace. Like, what? They don't have to work for it? No. It's a free gift. Don't be mad at me because I'm a generous God, he says. It's a free gift. You don't have to work, strive for it. You just, it's a free gift. Just do me a favor. Would you close your eyes as you wrap up service today? If you're here today and I've been speaking and something finally clicked in your heart and in your mind and you realize, I am not good enough to earn God's good graces but I need his help. If that's you, I would would like to lead you in a prayer. A simple prayer of just saying, I acknowledge that I am a sinner, God, and I need your help. I'm not going to call you to the front. Just in your your seat, would you just do me a favor and raise your hand so I can see that you're here and lead you in a prayer? If that's you, I acknowledge that I am a sinner separated from you. I, I see your hands. I can't do this on my own. I need you to stand in the gap. Awesome. That is the good news, that you are dead I was dead. But God gave us a way to have life and an abundant life and a be- the best life we could possibly have is how Jesus says. Anybody else? I'm here today and I acknowledge that I am a sinner. That's my issue. And the good news is today we can deal with this issue and make it right before God. And grace is a daily thing that we embrace. God, I need your grace today again. It's a gift. Help me, Lord, live this out for you. If you raise your hand, would you say this prayer with me? If you're a follower of Christ, would you join us in praying? If you raise your hand and say this, say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I've broken your law. Forgive me. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe that payment was enough. I believe that you're alive today and you want to give me new life. So today I receive your new life. Help me to live a brand new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate all those that raised their hand today? So good. For you that prayed that prayer, this is the good news. That you were once dead, but today you're alive. If you pray that, you meant it. God says he hears it, he sees it, he accepts it. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to get a Bible. We have a free, free Bibles on the table on the way out. You can pick one up. We have a book. It's called Ten Steps Towards Christ, another resource to help you on this journey to know what steps to take. I, I would encourage you to pick up one of those if you don't have one, just to kind of help on this journey. You know, the first step you made today, acknowledging you need God's help. The next step is water baptism, where you begin to tell. So today it was a private decision between you and God, saying, God, I acknowledge I need your help. Next week for water baptism, that's a public declaration where we go out and say, I want the world to know that I am following Christ and I have a new life in him because of the cross. 
If you've never been water baptized, I would encourage you next week, 1 p.m. at the Chavez Center. Find me if you have questions. Talk to you. Talk to me about it. It's a great thing we do as a church. I love it because it's us telling everybody else, I am a new person in Christ. Because of his cross, his resurrection, I can be alive.